0: welcome to our brand new podcast cut the rubbish which is being brought to you by team limerick cleanup team limerick cleanup is ireland's largest one-day cleanup event which takes place every good friday in limerick city and county more information can be found at teamlimerickcleanup.ie in this series i will be exploring ways in which we can all cut the rubbish and take small steps in our everyday lives to improve our environment in this episode we learn what happens when we throw rubbish in hedges how a plastic bag in a local river can end up in the ocean and Ireland's leading environmental biologist explains how we can encourage children to get out in nature. Join me, Megan Scully, for episode two of Cut the Rubbish. Well, she certainly is no stranger to our TV screens, our radio stations, our newspapers, our websites, bookshops. I mean, I grew up listening to this lady and I learned so much off her and I know that we're all going to learn so much more now. It's incredible. Ain't Launa, it good thought too are
1: going to her father and too
0: Anoa, it's it's just so dast to be a kind slat in you because, uh, as I said, I did grow up watching you in television and I you just always gave all of us such an interest in the great outdoors. Were you there for Creature Feature, the one yes. I did 20, <laughs> 20 years ago
1: indeed. Yeah, yeah, that was the beginning of the television things, I suppose, really. Yeah. And then on from there in different ways. That was a great series.
0: I know it was. It was super, though, because it's really important, I think, and even now more than ever, to get young people outside looking literally in their back gardens. Absolutely. That was the whole point of that particular series, Creature Feature.
1: It was looking at the wildlife in your garden we weren't going to Karen Thule we yeah. weren't going to the barn we weren't going to the seashore we were going outside the door and looking at what was there but it was great fun and people really identified with it because the things that we were showing on the television that time were things people could see themselves in their own surroundings and that really is, is the nature of biodiversity in a way to a certain extent because people think oh that's a big word I don't know what biodiversity is that's because you know, think about it it just means the diversity of life all around us so bio is life and diversity is differences. So, if there's lots of biodiversity, there's lots of wildlife. And yeah. why will there be lots of wildlife if you've lots of different types of habitats? So if you if you only live in a woodland, then you'd only have woodland things. You're never going to see seashore things. You're never going to see bog things. So, for a place to have lots of biodiversity, you have to have lots of habitats as well. Yeah. So you have your places like the the woodlands, the garden, the lakes, the bogs. The seashore, all of those places with the life they have in each one, gives you an area that has a huge amount of biodiversity. Whereas if it's all grasslands and just ryegrass growing and the hedges cut to the scot and only old hawthorn in them and dying ash trees from a uh, back that's not so good for biodiversity. So that's what biodiversity is. The more living things, the more places where they can live, the healthier the place is and the healthier it is for us as
0: well. Um, now before we get more into the, the biodiversity, like you are a biologist, but like what actually spurned your career? Because I feel like I didn't know what a biologist was until I saw you on my TV screen and then I... I'm learning more and more about it, but look, how did you get into it? Ah, because this is the thing. How did I get into it? How did you get out of it? I mean, I, I just, <laughs> I just learned all this
1: last week because I was coming in here for, for to do a podcast. No, no, no. When you, when you grow up, when I was young, me and Finn McCool a hundred years ago in County Louth. You know, there was no televisions, there was no screens, no nothing. I was one of seven kids and your mother said to you, go out and play and don't come in unless you're bleeding. And you certainly <laughs> didn't play with your mother and father. You played with all the other kids. So you climbed up the trees and you knew where the bird's nests were and you went to the river and you went to the lakes and you went to where the pond and the frog spawn and all of that sort of thing. That was what you did. And that's what everybody did. So the question I would ask is why did the rest of them forget it? Why am I some kind of a freak that's interested in wildlife? Why isn't everybody interested in wildlife? So why why has it gone off the radar completely to the to the extent that how did you get into wildlife? Where the truth of the matter is how did everybody else get out of wildlife? Yeah,
0: that's actually very true. Like I yeah. remember being a kid when we lived in Dublin and going down to the little stream and taking a load of fog spawn and bringing it up to the back door until they all disappeared. Yeah, they yeah, all indeed. grew yeah. legs and, and Yeah,
1: and you were you were very interested in all yeah, of this yeah. every
0: day but they can't
1: tell you, if you hand them something they won't know whether it's a worm or a snail or a, and they go Ugh, I'm afraid of that you know so it's, it's, it's all images rather than reality and you know you really have to go out and, and experience it all for yourself you can't do it inside looking at a screen
0: like I, rem- I remember when we're uh, then living in Spiddle and there was loads of fuchsia around on the on the boring So we'd be there and we'd be trying to figure out which one had the sweetest taste. Oh yeah,
1: because you can get all the nectar out of the yeah. back of them. They're full of nectar. Yeah. And of course, nectar is what the, the, the insects want. It's like going to the pub and getting a free drink. That's why all the insects go to flowers. They want to get a free drink of nectar. I mean, the bees bring it home to make honey, but the rest of the insects, like the butterflies and the flies and the hoverflies, they just guzzle it into their tummies as food for them. And they have long tongues and they stick them down into it. And there's so much of it in the fuchsia that if you pull off the thing and bite it at the back, you can get a little sick net to yourself. And it is lovely and sweet and it's buried down in the flower because the whole point is if the butterfly is coming to get the free drink, mm-hmm. Well, there's nothing for free in this world so it gets its head covered in pollen as it sticks its tongue down into the nectar and then when it goes to the next flower the pollen is brought from one to the other and pollination is happening ah. but when we talk about pollinators people think oh the bees all have a meeting and they decide we must go out and pollinate some flowers that would be a good thing to do <laughs> out for mankind they do not they say it if they say anything they say let's go to the pub and have a few jars and of course the pubs only have one drink every one of them and you have to go from one to the next to the next and that's how the pollen gets moved around so in a way it would seem to be an accident but it's absolutely how evolution happened because insects and those kind of flowers evolved the same time, millions of years ago, we didn't have flowers without insects. We didn't have insects without flowers. They both appeared at the same time in the fossil records. So it's a lovely, nice thing, you know, this evolution of things like that.
0: I'm just thinking here, how many insects have I had over the years? Because I'm <laughs> going through the fuchsia trees. <laughs> well, if a
1: bit of protein would kill you.
0: Hey, well, And I'm here now, I'm a that would have been over 20 years ago. Um, I guess a huge thing we want to talk about, because obviously with TLC and, and the cleanup happening is, um, and I see it happening all the time across the country. People throwing rubbish into the bushes because I think people sometimes look at the bushes, look at the briars, and think weeds, briars, not good, plastic, in it goes, and like that is messing up the biodiversity. Well, that
1: is just behavior that is appalling. I mean, would you throw things into the corner of your sitting room because you haven't tied really it up in weeks? I mean, they're not the only thing is a weed. The only person that's allowed to use the word weed is a farmer. A farmer, a weed is a plant in the wrong place, is yeah. a potato a weed?
0: No, but it looks like it, <laughs> but doesn't taste like it. You're a
1: farmer, you're growing spuds, that's grand, that's the crop. Next year you're growing wheat in the same field and a couple of last year's potatoes come up and you don't want them there. Yeah. Now they're weeds because they're the plant in the wrong place. So briars are not weeds because if something is a weed, it shouldn't be there. Therefore, should briars be extinct? Should dandelions be extinct? doesn't mean they're not weeds. They're just, if you have them in your beautiful lawn that you didn't want them in, then you, the gardener says they're unwanted plants their are weeds but there's no such thing as a weed by definition it's a plant anything can be a weed if it's in the wrong place if you have roses growing in the middle of, of, of your wheat field the farmer won't want roses in the wheat field how that would happen I don't know but I mean it's in the wrong place so by throwing rubbish into the hedge you're sort of saying this area has absolutely no value mm. and furthermore my unsociable behaviour is going to make it even less valuable I can't wait for latte things to come in those latte taxes on the coffee cups yeah. I can't wait For the taxes to come in on the plastic bottles, on the tin cans. The people who do the tidy terms and pick them up say these, a lot of these are the main things that are in there in the rubbish that they collect. And if there was a value on those, because people have no value, on anything else only money so if you're thrown away 10 prints or 20 or f- how many cents mm. each one is well at least somebody else could gather them up and get the few bob in return so the quicker that brings in the better why people are giving out about it I don't know coffee is not an essential if you don't buy a cup of coffee your family won't die of hunger so like they're luxuries in the first instance so if you get another 20 cents on the price of the cup it stops you throwing it in the hedge isn't that good or if you do throw it in the hedge somebody else can take it out and get the 20 cents so I mean why there should be any objection to that I don't know but we shouldn't find anything in the hedge because they're, they're, they're such a eyesore looking mm-hmm. at them they're horrible if you have things that are going to be plastic mm-hmm. small creatures can get into them get trapped in them you know and then they can't get out and they starve to death they cut themselves on the edges of cans so they're, they're actually a nuisance to wildlife and things like magpies for example that like shiny things they, they actually I've seen a, I've seen actually seen in magpies' nests built out of wire coat hangers can you imagine Aww, such a thing?
0: That just sounds that doesn't sound very comfortable to be sleeping That's what in. Saying, but you know
1: I mean yeah. why, where do they find on I'm not saying they found the coat hangers in the hedge particularly but just an example of how birds will pick up things that are not at all the right thing for their nests and then use those because they're available to them because people threw them out.
0: Like we see horrific I suppose scenes from on social media from oceans of dolphins with the plastic of the whales and you know you see that and it's such an eye opener so I'm like if if you don't want to throw plastic in the ocean why would you throw plastic in your hedge? the plastic doesn't go anywhere so does it ever like does it end up in the soil then and does is that like changing maybe the kind of DNA of our hedges
1: No it doesn't actually that's the one thing about plastic whether it's a good thing or a bad thing I don't know plastic doesn't break down we know that if we throw the thing there and nobody goes near it it'll be there in a hundred years time yeah. so it doesn't break down it's visually visually it looks awful and it's a physical thing that a bird can get into or somebody can get trapped in it but nothing leaches out of it into the soil to make the soil worse the plastic is just sitting there whereas if you have metals or you have you know things that will rust and break down and go into the soil. You throw away a cigarette butt. Now, people still smoking cigarettes? I don't know. But they're full of um, you know, tobacco and tobacco is nicot- nicotine and nicotine is, is a poison that people actually buy for in in weed killers and in insecticides. So by throwing away your cigarettes, they do break down into the soil. By going out to the side that you can't, you don't like the weeds outside your front gate and you spray them all with weed killer and then you have yellow grass instead of green grass. Why yeah. that's nicer, I don't know. But also the weed killer goes down into the soil and poisons the worms and poisons all the biofauna that's in the soil as well. But the, a plastic thing just sits there, so it does everything else, but it actually doesn't leach into the soil. But that's not any reason for throwing it in no, the hedge. No, it's
0: because then I said it's just it looks rotten. Yeah. And uh, the one thing I notice an awful lot of people doing, the smokers out there, is do you know that plastic that's around the cigarette case. I do, yeah, yeah. You see them, you see them walking out of a supermarket, ripping it off, and, and then just flinging it. it. I'll tell you, I was on the way to a music festival one time, and there's traffic going in. And the car in front of us, there was there was people sitting in the back seat having a few drink having a few drinks out of a can, and uh, I was driving the car my car. And next minute they just all flung them into the bush. Well, my flung the fri- cans into the bush. Well, my friend, got, we were stuck in traffic. She got out of the car. She went over, and I'll tell you, she said a few things to them they got out of the car and they picked up all their cans and she was like don't you dare do that leave them in the car and then put them away but she oh she ate them and I was like yeah but if like, enough S- people
1: ate them if yeah. everybody ate them I mean everybody doesn't do this only a small percentage of people do this but the rest of us stand idly by I mean, I mean I've been told umpteen times what business is it of yours in stronger language than that and I say well it is my business it is my business it's what and I do it's my job on the street. <laughs> well apart from being my job at all it's all her business it is I mean if 10 people are around and one person litters and the other ten look away, well then why wouldn't the one person litter? Whereas if all ten glared at them every single time, it certainly would change the changed the, the emphasis, you know?
0: Um I think we mentioned there about how wrappers and rubbish thrown into the bushes and the and mm. the sea and, and the effect it has on biodiversity, as mentioned with the oceans, like there's huge, there is huge work going on around the oceans, but it's probably still not enough and probably still not fast enough. I mean, there's so much more we can do. Yeah, but people are always saying, well, I mean, I live
1: in, I don't know where, in Tullamore. I mean, I'm not picking on Tullamore. I mean, I could equally well say Athlone or Limerick or anywhere, but not Limerick so much. But somewhere that's not near the sea at all. Mm. I mean, so I throw my bag into the river in Tullamore. How does that end up in the ocean? Or I don't even throw it into the river. I throw it into the hedge or something. And people don't understand that what you do in Ireland could end up in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean, could be. Because it all, I mean, our... our Areas are all designed so that the water flows Mm. into the nearest stream that flows into a bigger stream that flows down into the sea and then goes into the oceans. And while plastic will break up into smaller pieces it won't break down and vanish so you just get smaller and smaller pieces of plastic these microfibres microplastics or you just get plastic bags that float off we haven't got so many of those because Ireland to be fair to it was the leader in Mm. charging for those and they all said it couldn't be done you'd never see fellas bringing shopping bags they wouldn't do it but everybody see them now people won't pay the 20 cents on no, even though they don't ask the much me- how much were those messages they haven't an ocean, but they're not paying 20 cents for it I mean was that cheaper in this shop than it was in that shop but they don't know but they're not paying 20 cents no. for the bag which was great I mean that really got desiced and then other people then other countries followed and that got rid of the plastic bags a bit but I mean to think that what turtles feed on are jellyfish And if you're a turtle swimming around in the water, you see this big globular thing, clump, that's your jellyfish, yum, yum, gorgeous. But it could be a plastic bag, and quite often it is. Ah. And then your tummy is full of plastic bags. You're not hungry anymore because your stomach is full. You're dying of hunger because you haven't any food. And then presumably if you eat enough plastic bags, then you choke as well. And when we get a lot of turtles washed up on the beaches over the years, to do autopsies on them, and they see that they're full of plastic bags and they died of that. We see whales washed up on the ocean. Mm. A lot of the whales that we have, these big, huge baleen whales, like the fin whales and the, the, the those sort of ones, will open their mouths, suck in lots of water and then it goes off through their baleen which are like curtains of stuff and all the little shrimps and fish and things are held behind like a sieve and that's what their food is. But if you take a big gulp of water and there's plastic bags and every kind of rubbish in it as well, well then that goes into your tummy as well too. And eventually then with enough of those things that don't break down, that fill up your stomach, The whales don't know where they're going, they're sick, they're injured, they've pinned their tummies, their brains are damaged and they get washed up on our shores as well. And we say, God, isn't it terrible, the poor whales beaching? But I mean, when they open them up, there's tons of plastic inside in them. You know, you're really wondering, where did that come from? Mm. You know, indeed, and whales are all over the oceans. So it's not just you chucking your bag into the river in... I don't know, Leash or Wexford or somewhere that's not even on the coast and saying, well, that's definitely not going to end up in the ocean. It
0: will, it will. We're all responsible. I suppose, what small steps can we take in our everyday life to help biodiversity what like we've i think we've kind of touched on a lot of the what we shouldn't do so what should we be doing well why do be why do they have to be small steps why can't we take big <laughs> steps well
1: one of the things to do of course is to increase the biodiversity get more birds and insects and things living where you live and then you know that will increase the biodiversity so what do wildlife need they need food they need places to live so this time of the year now coming the winter time Birds are hard up for food. Mm. So one of the easiest things in the world to do is actually put out food for the birds. You can buy hanging feeders. You can buy ones with seeds. You can buy ones with nuts. You can have flat boards that you can put things on the flat boards because some birds can't hang on feeders. You can put stuff on the ground. Other things like to feed on the ground. So you can actually physically go to the shop and buy stuff. Or you can make your garden a better place for wildlife by, if you have a garden, that is, by planting, by planting trees and shrubs and bushes. I mean, why in the name of God do people have two acres of lawn and they're out every week under lawn mowers using fossil fuel to mow the lawn, to have stripes in the to have grass and in chai And I think that's lovely. I mean, we should all give people filthy. Look, what do you do with your lawn? Wasting time and energy when you could have nice shrubs, you could have nice bushes, things with berries. Now, they don't even have to be native ones. Pyrocanter, Cotoneaster, okay. they have lovely red berries on them at this time of the year. A holly you know, mountain ash, all of those things that could be in your garden. So you could be providing food for your garden, for your birds. And if you have some things that you planted, have flowers in the springtime, now plant the right things. This time you have planting bulbs. So I mean, it's not so much what steps can we physically do. It's stop doing the wrong things. Yeah. So let it grow. I mean, people have been doing this now for the last couple of years. No mow may, and you don't mow. You don't mow your own lawn. The local authorities don't mow the roundabouts. Don't mow the parks. And you don't go around saying, And the council. are have gone to the dogs. The whole place is full of weeds." You go around saying, "The council are great, and look at all the wildflowers that are there, and look at all the different insects that are there as well." Red flowers are only garden flowers there's no okay. wild red flowers apart from poppies and that's because bees can't see red Ah, so they never go to red flowers So you have peony roses and you have red tulips and you have blood red crimson roses there's never an insect on them now I know you're going to say what about the fuchsia but fuchsia is not Dark crimson it's red, pink isn't kind a of a, a pinky, purpley colour just different colours, and they're full of nectar. So they work, and and foxgloves, but the really dark red stuff that people send on Valentine's Day to their <laughs> true loves—that's useless, useless for wildlife. So don't be planting red flowers in the garden at all. There's oh lots of other colours. I think the wildlife are actually Claire fans or Ross Common fans because the most important. <laughs> important colours for them are, are purple and yellow.
0: Oh, we are be very careful now to all the Limerick ones.
1: <laughs> well, Limerick is green, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, we need lots of greenery as well too, so that's all right as well.
0: I do love that um, No Mo and May because I am, um, the Condell Road just out on Limerick City is a place where I'd run and walk quite a lot and I love that time of year because yes. like that, it's all luscious, Green grass and different colours. and
1: Well, it'll be luscious flowers now. And they'll be saying, Look at all those lovely dandelions in the place full of bees. And then, if you have the bees, you're going to have birds. And then, the birds, when they come out in summer and springtime and start holding territory, they're going to need places for nests. And people give out about, Oh, the magpies have them all ruined. But you see, the birds need places to hide to build their nests. And if yeah. you have everything cut and the hedge is trimmed and there's no old scraggly bits underneath, I mean, a bird isn't going to build its nest up there when everybody can see it. It's going to be in the ivy, it's going to be underneath. So, stopped Heidi you noch. Know. Very bitter, your garden, Mm. making sure everything is cut and trimmed and clipped. You know, there must be some wild places in your garden. Let a patch of nettles grow. That's where all the caterpillars of the lovely butterflies feed because they have a life cycle. And at the caterpillar stage, they feed. And then at the butterfly stage, they fly around looking for nectar and looking beautiful and lifting our hearts. But you won't have butterflies if you don't have caterpillars. And you won't have caterpillars if there's no food for the caterpillars. So, nettles are a really good source of food for the caterpillars of the small tortoise shell, the painted lady the red admirals, the commas, all of those butterflies that we love to see feed on nettles. So a wee patch down the end of the garden wouldn't kill anybody and it would do a lot of good. So, you know, by not having every inch of your garden for an inch of its life with things planted in it, you know, to let the wild things be there. Don't mow your lawn until May in the first place if you must have a lawn and let let the daisies and the dandelions and the things with nectar in them come up for a month or two. I mean, they're easy things to do. They're not going to cost you money. But what they do is that you're not you're not so heavy on the environment. You're stepping lightly on the earth.
0: Well I'll tell you I'll never bad mouth a, a nettle again. For kids Aina like you know how do we encourage them now to get out because as I mentioned you know I, I watched you a lot on TV growing up when I was younger. I did go out sucking the fuchsias and eating the blueberries off the wall and you know I grew up on a farm so we were encouraged like that to get out but how like in this day and age for those listening who have smallies at home and want their children to discover the outdoors like what's the best way to start? Bring
1: them out. I mean you can't say you must discover the (laughs) wildlife as you're on your phone and say shut up go out and play I mean the world has changed I do realise this and you don't say to your children any longer go out and play unfortunately so you have to go out with them yourself Mm. my daughter now has two children and every week we get pictures of them and they're outdoors going somewhere doing things and I mean you can't expect your children to do something that you're not doing yourself so you go out and play with the nettles while we stay inside and look at our screens isn't going to work do as I do not do as I say so, the first thing to do is to bring them out, is to catch something nice. Look under, we want to look under a stone and see what's under the stone in the garden. And you might find woodlice, you might find centipedes, you turn over the stone, have your light ready and you can see them all running away and then they're gone. So you can't press rewind, you can't press replay. You have to be on the ball, turn it over, there they are. And you might be able to grab one and then you can have it walking on your hand. And it's lovely. Rather than say, no, that's dirty, put it down. I mean, your attitude can be all wrong. And, you know, telling children that's dirty, don't be touching that. Everything that's going to fly around will sting you and bite you and it's dirty. That gives children the whole wrong impression. So if you actually want your children to be interested in wildlife you have to in the first instance not be telling them that wildlife is kind of the enemy in a way wildlife is all right out in the garden but we're not having it in here I mean that's not kind of the approach we don't obviously want our house full of wildlife indeed (laughs) but, but when we're outside, we, we approach it in a positive way. Mm. We're going out today to look in the garden to see can we find something with wings, something with legs, look under a stone, or I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll put a piece of an old mat or a sack or a lump of car, any old thing, a lump of a log or something, and we'll leave it there for a week and then we'll turn it over and see if there's anything there that wasn't there before. So our garden has no snails or slugs or anything in it. So we put out a bit of a log with a bit of a bark that we got for the fire, but we're not using it at the moment to put it out there. And after a week we'll go over and have a look at it now and see what's there. And something will have come in. There will be snails and slugs and worms and things because they're unless you're living, they don't know what. But I mean, if you've any wee bit of space at all, or you live in a flat. You have a balcony. Yeah. You put out um, feeders. You can get feeders actually that have sticky bits on them that you can stick them to the wall or stick them to and the, stick them to an upright or whatever support in your balcony. And the birds will come and feed that. So you can do that. In fact, or if there's none of those things available to you, you can go to the parks. Limerick has lovely parks. Loads. Yeah. We'll go down there and we'll see what we can see today. Now today we're going to look at the birds. Tomorrow, next time we go out, we're going to look under stone and see can we see creepy crawlies. Another day, we're going to go out and see can we see any white flowers can we see any red, we well, won't see any red flowers, which is an <laughs> experiment. Well, that's an experiment yeah, in itself. You know, we'll see, I mean, why well, wouldn't do red the first day. We'll do white, we'll do yellow, or we'll do blue, and then we'll do red, and then there's no red, and why is there no red, or what have you, as spring comes on, you know. So you, you have an adventure, so it doesn't, if you don't have a garden, that doesn't mean you can't do it. It's, it's that the outside, and the world outside, is an adventure.
0: I think a lot of people always say as well, like, oh, the weather, it's like, no, there's no such thing as bad weather, it's bad gear, so invest in the gear, get the waterproofs, get the wellies, get the the dirty gear and get out. Children never complain about the weather it's the advent. Yeah, <laughs> No it's great fun and actually funny you mentioned there about the apartments how you can put um, the feeders on the wall and what I, I was saying to the girls earlier I actually had an apartment that we used to clean off which now I, clearly was my, my vocabulary was wrong I used to say weeds I won't say that anymore but uh, I did actually back that time in 2020 I um, just stopped taking the flowers off the balcony and I just left it and my housemates were like, I was like, this is our garden now and, you know, yeah, like these, that.
1: These are able to grow here. I mean, you yeah. go down to the shop and you buy lovely garden flowers, but the, the atmosphere or the, the environment on the on the balcony is, is drier. It's, and it's not as much soil. It's harsher conditions. So whatever comes in the post, whatever plants itself there is able to grow there. Whereas you go down to pay loads of money for something and it won't grow because no. the, thing is, <laughs> the thing is too poor for it to happen. So the native things, the things that are able to get established, Love them. They're yeah. the ones that are going to work.
0: And we've got lovely pink flowers as well. After this I'll be going for a walk and, and I'm in a, a rural area so I'm going to actually or an urban area I should say I'm in an urban area so I'm going to actually just take my take a few notes in my head and see what I see. So whether, as you mentioned I'm going to look out for feathers I'm going to look out for legs and I'm going to look out for greenery and colour and see legs? what I see. What
1: do you mean legs? Well, I, you know <laughs> insects. <laughs> yeah, you I mean, look how many legs have they got if you go under a stone? That they got six yeah. legs to an insect, See, any more than that. Yeah. A spiders eight legs and things. So you can, yeah, so you can take a theme when you go out. It's birds, and I mean, you know, as you're saying, signs and tracks and trails, and that particularly. I've written a book for kids called you know, Wonders of the Mm. Wild It's just come out now in the last wee while and in that I have debunked a lot of these things that we were told wrong. You know, that was used to annoy me when I was a kid. The books wouldn't tell you. You see squirrels and they weren't hibernating. Frogs hibernated at the bottoms of ponds. How come they didn't drown? (laughs) You know, I mean, there they were. They breathed. They had lungs. How come they didn't drown? Never told you that in the book at all. You know, different things like this. So that was what I decided to do. I was going to write a book and go to all these things and explain what it is. And that, piques people's curiosities as well and it's, this is the thing if you're curious if you don't if you, you won't conserve anything if you don't love it yeah. and you won't love it if you don't know it and you won't know it if you weren't taught if you weren't exposed to it so like if we don't take our children out if we don't show them what the world is how will they know it's there how will they appreciate it how will they like it and ultimately how will they conserve it how will they think it's worth conserving so it's, it's a big job taken in small little steps and it can be great fun.
0: Well, I have to say um, Wonders of the Wild is out now, as I said, and available at all good bookstores. You mentioned it's for children. I'm going to say it's probably for adults as well, because I think we could probably relearn a lot of stuff from it that we've probably forgotten. And um, well, anybody <laughs> it for
1: their children or their grandchildren have a read of it first and say, I never knew that. So like, it's really for all the family. What makes it look like a children's book is the lovely illustrations that are in it by Brian Fitzgerald. But the actual stuff that's written is... The truth, and I mean, the truth is the truth. Whether it's a big truth written in big words or a small truth in small words, it's what's about nature. And there I am explaining the interesting things that nobody ever asked before.
0: I love it. well, Anna Launa, As always, just kind and uh, we've just divulged so much information here about biodiversity. And uh, um, I just always love listening to you and hearing you. I said I grew up watching you, so it's so great to be here with you right now. And uh, yeah, grímila margot. Oh, when we are together, so good night, we left. For a place to have lots of biodiversity, you need to have lots of habitats. The more places animals and insects can live, the healthier they can be. More information on Team Limerick Cleanup can be found at teamlimerickcleanup.ie. I'm Megan Scully, and this is Cut the Rubbish.